0: Welcome to episode two of series two, <laughs> oh, uh, Sinners Make the Best Saints. Uh, last week we talked about the Apostle Paul, and this week we have a uh, guest, finally, as Ben wanted to do all this time.
1: Yeah, I did. I wanted I wanted to have multiple guests, and, and starting today I'm excited about that, uh, that we get to have a guest, and, uh, um, you know, especially when we're talking about uh, sinners make the best saints. So that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think we have a, we have a couple of guests. You know?
0: We we do have a couple of guests lined up, but this first one is, uh, uh, especially awesome. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear from him. One of the things that we've been hearing a lot, uh, uh feedback, uh, Josh and Ben, you guys keep talking about these kind of pastors, but do they exist? We brought one in that we believe exists. So, um, you know, we'll hear from him later, but first we actually have another guest to help us <laughs> oh, with the man. opening banter. Uh, We call him Redneck Derek. Uh, You may (laughs) see him uh, driving down the road between Nashville and St. Louis. Um how y'all doing? Yeah, this is this is Derek. Uh get closer to the mic there, bud. All right. There you go. Uh he is about as redneck as you can get. He uh he sucks at Call of Duty and uh, he's into NASCAR.
1: Yep. NASCAR all the way. He says that he golfs, but uh my memory of him golfing is uh he went <laughs> He went out into the rough to uh retrieve one of his balls. And uh, there, there was a roped area uh, for this <laughs> this rough. I mean, that should give you an indication of how bad his shot was off the tee box. But uh, you know, I mean, th- there were some good shots though, Derek. I, I don't, I don't want to get like too too down on you. I enjoyed golfing with you. But the point is that this roped section had Baylor twine, like it was just roped with this, you know, just like two hundred yards of it. Yeah, generic rope, uh, and it was roped off, like Josh said, uh, about two hundred yards but about a five yard section of it was barbed wire. So Derek chooses to go over the barbed wire. Splits, My
2: pants splits his pants
1: right down the middle. But it started out as like a like a two inch. Like you can hide it, yeah, yeah. Like it, you know, no big deal. As long as you don't, as long as you don't say, hey, look, I can do the splits. Nobody would know that you know, like you had a hole right in your, you know, right in the crotch of your shorts. But no, so every every swing, every hole, every stride. <laughs> this, <laughs> This hole just kept getting bigger until finally it he looked, just had shorts that had one leg. It looked like and a yeah, butt crack it. kilt. It's like half kilt, half shorts. No one. Kilt.
0: Very embarrassing. <laughs> and and what's funny is like towards the end there was like a club a guy that you know. Uh, has a membership there and he's like hey man
1: i'm jealous you, yeah. you got a nice current there yeah i bet that's pretty breathable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's Derek with us <laughs>
3: i was so embarrassed i lost a club that yeah
0: year. <laughs> right that's it that's why you lost
1: the club <laughs> yeah, at least you're wearing boxer briefs bud, i was so uh, embarrassed i had a double bogey game <laughs>
0: yeah yeah if you'd have had tiny whiteys i'm like
3: I would have loved it. Well, we'll try that again maybe later today or tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. definitely because
0: tonight I'm uh, my birthday is Monday, so uh, oh, I'm going yeah. out for some sushi. Right. Forty years old. I'm not forty, dude. <laughs> I'm going to be thirty-eight. Nice. My so cohort will be fort. Is forty? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just turned forty. He has the prostate year, of so. a fifty-year-old.
1: Well, seventy, but <laughs> who's counting?
0: Every every two games, <laughs> I got to pee, guys. Yeah, all like, right. And it's like one of those. <laughs> blah, 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 <laughs>
1: Uh, that's no that's usually in the morning the, the, by the evening it's already warmed up and ready to go you are gonna have, what,
0: what's that what's that vitamin called just for the prostate oh, You're oh have to God, get one I of, don't know I have no idea and because I don't silver. take it, yeah because, yeah
1: yeah <laughs> It's a good thing you shave your head. Uh, cause Metamucil. Met-
2: <laughs>
0: so, Derek, uh, do you take Metamucil? I do not. Ms. <laughs> Derek is uh, yeah. 48.
1: Eight. Yeah, I like how you emphasized the 40. That was awfully generous of you because you really he's were. almost 50. Well,
0: he's my oh, older brother. Yeah. He's the middle child. Yeah. Uh, and, Duke, and, of course, is the golden child.
1: And he's he's a, 50. He's a Giants fan, too. I Derek am. is a Giants fan. so. Derek, what do
0: you think the Giants' uh, chances are this year? What do you think they're going to do? If they play? want to the bowl.
3: Going to the Super Toilet, bowl. Uh, bowl. <laughs> going to the bowl. <laughs> uh, going to the Another bowl. Another three to win watch season
0: as a yeah. spectator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to the Super Bowl like on Madden. Is that
1: are they going to give you out tickets? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you nice. think the
3: Dolphins are going to do?
0: I think they're going to be uh, eight and eight this year. Really? And I think Tua Tungle-Viola is going to start Week Eight.
1: Yeah, I think we'll repeat. Oh, yeah.
0: You guys are going to probably win a couple.
1: I don't know. We'll see with old Tom Brady and, you know, like playing for the Bucks, you know. And, yeah. oh, Jeremy's a Bucks fan too. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it might actually happen because because he was a guest on this podcast.
0: But yeah, that, and also too, let's be serious here. The Bucks, all the, I mean, I love Jameis Winston, but they had already lost their hope in Jameis. And you're going to see Brady come in with his uh, noodle arm, but he's accurate, dude. He's like Chad Pennington in 2008. Like, you won't need him, you know him to make 40 50 yard passes no and with those receivers, receivers and that line yeah, dude, they have a good receiving core, yeah. and their defense Well, I mean now the patriots defense is better but yeah they're in the they're in the NFC South where you don't really have to worry much about yeah. defense there.
1: Yeah, I got, I have to applaud Jameis Winston though. Like he he's the only quarterback that I know that did a thirty for thirty episode and never showed up on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a Florida State. He's a Knoll man. I always yeah. got to show love to my Knolls. Yeah. So, Derek,
0: uh, what kind of uh, truck do you drive?
3: I drive a uh, a Volvo. A Volvo truck. Uh, for YRC Freight out of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. man,
1: details. White Volvo?
3: White Volvo. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, well,
0: <laughs> who's your favorite driver in NASCAR?
3: I don't have, I
1: don't watch NASCAR anymore. <laughs> God. you told you told him we're gonna have to edit your nascar well no earlier. because uh, this guy <laughs> so was why, there for why do you assume Hart's i like demise. nascar is it because of the way i talk
0: <laughs> <laughs> xbox you, know, you don't know <laughs> <Xbox record that. laughs> you ever watch uh water uh if you watch Waterboy, the uh coach uh farmer Pan, yeah that's derek <laughs> <Eskido>. <laughs> oh my Anything else before you head back to Nashville? Like uh, you know, we have you on this podcast, and uh, you know, you're you're the one of the funniest dudes that I know. But you're I know, sitting but over now there,
3: kind of. You know, this is my first time, so oh, I'm kind of like nervous. deer in the headlights. For the very yeah. first yeah. time. Okay, I was just expected to watch the first. Like,
1: uh, you didn't. You didn't expect something to be shoved in your face. I did not, and say, no. Well, do this.
0: And the thing is, is that Terry is uh, in San Diego right now, um, which of course in German means. Uh, nope we're not gonna do that um but (laughs) but no uh uh, terry is uh off this uh this week so he's not gonna get his paycheck and uh uh, and so you know it was back to the original crew here and um so when Derek came over i was like hey why don't you hop on here you're funny you can make people laugh and he's just sitting over there there. yeah
1: no yeah no i don't have a favorite Uh, i don't like nascar the Giants are going th- to the bowl. <laughs> yeah, they're going to the bowl. What bowl? <laughs> the, the toilet bowl. You know, yeah. uh, the bowl. <laughs> no, this is all new to me. Oh, trying to, trying to... talking is new to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <dressing> yeah <laughs> oh, man. If you listen to this guy off the mic, yeah. and how much and how much shit he talks.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now, and now, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. It's like deer in headlights.
0: Crickets. Er- er- Crickets. Er- <laughs> Iron, right? Iron. Oh man. Well, it's a good thing mom's not here because then she'll just, you know, judge everything we say. Ben, don't say shit. That's a bad word.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, is that what would happen? Listening to this right now. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it is live. Maybe that's why you're so worried. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's not live. Is this live? No. No. Oh. (laughs)
0: Mommy. (laughs) I love you. And I love Jesus. Mom, you better go to church. But on Saturday, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. If you say something to him, you ain't
1: welcome in my house no more. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! So yeah. So, what, hey, that, what Derek. Sorry. What do you like to do for fun? What, what yeah, do I like to do. Yeah. yeah.
3: I like to go downtown Nashville to the honky tonks. I like to. Uh, <laughs> of course you do. I like going out to uh, Gatlinburg and uh-huh. stuff around you know, t- Middle Tennessee. Walks on the beach. Chattanooga walks together. Yeah. To the sunset. Lake.
1: Yeah. Sunset heart hands yeah nice. all right
3: and i have access to a, a buddy of mine's pontoon boat that we go out and mess around with the pontoon boat pretty
1: cool that's cool so uh with the honky tonks that's
3: what they call them down there okay yeah.
1: okay uh are there are there any uh are there any um uh, bands or musicians down there that are, that are up and coming that uh that you really like listening to because, I mean, there's a ton of music down there's there. There's
3: a ton of music, but I mean, I don't go down there that much to really get to know each band, because usually every time I go, it's always somebody new up on stage, because they're trying to make a name for themselves, so uh-huh. it's not usually the same, the same band. You know every
1: yeah right. Every night. It's 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 different every night, or or sometimes there's multiple sets. You know, like right. with with um, you know three or four different bands in 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 a single night.
3: That's right. Yeah, they'll play for like maybe an hour or two, and then, they'll then up and then, and then they'll else. they'll pack
1: up, walk a couple of blocks down the street, Try play another else. gig. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's trying to make it. You know. Hey, you know it's crazy though. So confirm this for me because I, I I went to Louisville, Kentucky a couple of years back. Where I, Louisville. Louisville. What? I said it right. Yeah, Louisville. I say Louisville. Yeah, okay. I said it right. I'm not saying Um, you were wrong. I'm saying you were wrong.
0: You sound like one of them old salts from Kentucky. It's not
1: Louisville. Well not Nashville. Sounds like you got a mouthful of marbles. Well, no, you just have to say it like, okay. So the thing is you just have to say it relaxed. Like you don't have to be so uptight about it. Louisville. <laughs> you just you just, you just roll with it man oh just say like, yeah it's just louisville Whoa. yeah Whoa. it's just like, just like like nashville it's not it's nashville like got like a mouthful nashville. of marbles Na- and it's garbling nashville. with uh, nashville. Listerine
0: nashville. it's like down in georgia
1: everything's a coke you uh, get a coke so i get coke you won't so i didn't get <laughs> down to nashville but i heard a lot about it where it's like uh even people you know like you're talking about waitresses or waiters at restaurants that, like it's basically like you know musicians hollywood if you Pretty will much. where you you go down there and and people are just like even though the waiter or waitress has like a knockout voice like just amazing like they, they'd sing to you you know or whatever and it's like you know why haven't you been discovered yet and they're just sitting there in nashville yeah, they're, waiting they're on time it does i mean yeah all that's over what i've heard place, so, so it's yeah, like that yeah, yeah it is like okay. that, yeah
0: <laughs> and somehow florida georgia line was oh, discovered <laughs> like i mean really like you hear a lot of those people who have amazing voices they're mm-hmm. good song you know uh, yeah. songwriters and stuff
1: and then you got auto tune and country yeah like, like come I, on. I,
0: I don't i don't understand oh. you know <laughs> it's like with the dawn of mumble rap came the dawn of country rap oh, and it's yeah. like you know yeah. whatever happened to you know singers like johnny cash and garth
1: brooks and you things. sound really old right now well but, and, i mean there are some good musicians that are coming up that are talented that do write their own songs but you know, I mean, it's easier to we got Taylor it's, Swift, it's, dude. It's easier to play out. <laughs> like, it's easier to play out. You know, something that's already been played and repeat lyrics over and over and over again as long as the hook is catchy. Yeah,
2: it's
1: At, stupid. As long as the chord progression sounds right. But you know, it is what it is. What I'm saying though is, in Nashville, they're a dime a dozen. Like I was, I was curious about oh, it, yeah. and and Derek just confirmed it for me. So yeah. the, that's
0: the universe is now
1: aligned. Yeah. No. Now I feel feel better about my suspicions. So
0: that's a pretty strange suspicion to have.
1: Well, I mean, like I would
0: say, like, you have to join the Illuminati and drink goat's blood. Like that would be a, you know, suspicion. But in order to make it big. But like we Uh, talked about yesterday with Jackie, like,
1: okay, basically, I just wanted to be right. Well, you are right. You are right. (laughs) Good for you. You're 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 a man. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'm a big kid now. (laughs) Think. And there'd
3: be people sitting on the sidewalk as well, you know, it's not just waitresses and waiters. I mean, there are people Oh the yeah. the guitar. Yeah, or they'll even be banging on. Uh, yeah, or like stuff uh, or one man singing. band
1: or like one man band yes. stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. the one string yeah. Oh yeah, brushy, hey, hey. brushy, one string. <laughs>
0: and now Ben has a contract. Yeah, right. so long grit. Yeah, right. hello fame. Here's some goat's blood.
1: Chicken in the cone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! So, did you have brunch today? The one you invited me to?
3: No, I didn't have brunch. Either. Oh, did he go to the plan without you? No, oh. no, not
0: this time. Oh, just like a couple episodes. If you were listening to books, lines, and sinkers uh, two episodes ago. No, I, I three think episodes. It was that six
1: or was that five? no? That's five because the is six
0: is our new anyway. Oh. Um, ben and Terry. Uh, no, that was that was that was two
1: weeks ago. No, that wasn't. We haven't published that one yet. Oh. Yeah, so I listened ben- to
3: that, and I I, I was uh, wanting to go out and get me a Jesus pieces shirt. Oh
1: my gosh, Facebook, Facebook, oh, there <laughs> we go. Oh it man, the Heinz ketchup be- bottle, dude, just gets gets me every time. Catch up with Jesus, it gets me every time. Like, stop doing that. Stop using ke- ketchup bottle. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's not just a ketchup bottle. It's all it's all the logos. Stop using those logos. Like, be original. Be yourself. Like, do not steal. But do me.
0: not be part of Facebook.
1: Right. Well, but no, we're gonna steal, right? The... <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's why it doesn't make any sense to me. We're gonna we're gonna benefit. You know, we're gonna benefit from the income from the t-shirts that we sell. But anyway, right? Um, We've already discussed that. Yeah. Right. So uh, so yeah, they they,
0: they go out uh, the night before, and then the next morning they're like, hey, let's go get some breakfast. Did we Phone go didn't ring once. Nobody invited me. Oh. And I'm supposed to be the third amigo here, or actually, I'm the second amigo. Terry's the third amigo.
1: No, we didn't go out. Dude, we were playing we were playing Warzone Friday night. No, uh, we you went to the to that, gym. No. We went to the gym. No, no, we went to the no, no that was that no, night. That was no. that night. That was that night. I know. And I yeah. would have loved to have uh, been part of the breakfast crew, but no. Uh, yeah, we went to the play in, had uh I I ordered what, what Terry ordered and uh we, we already discussed this. Yeah, we did, but yeah. uh, my oh, invite man, got lost was in great. the mail, Derek. Chicken fried steak wow. with uh sausage egg. gravy. Oh, Oh man, and then he and then he says a half order of biscuits and gravy. So I had to order, of course, the same thing, and man, and with sausage gravy, of course, and uh, it was delicious. Terry, anyway, probably- we, we revisited that, yeah, because it was so good. So but, Derek, but, but Josh doesn't know.
0: Well, it. the the Karen's kids have a tradition, and that is, you know, we'll skip lunch, buddy, but not breakfast. Not breakfast. We will go. We will seek the best breakfast place and just get every like the most expensive thing on the menu. We need to go out for breakfast tomorrow.
1: I know. I, yeah. Oh, putting you on the spot, like. Me and you and oh. Ben. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, your your invite will be coming after we eat. <laughs> well. Oh, okay. So thanks, Derek, for uh, nothing. And uh, <laughs> I tried my best. Uh, I, I, I tried to help, but yeah. but Josh is over here, you know, antagonizing.
2: <laughs>
1: and this is great. <laughs> Once again, welcome back to grit and this is grit <laughs> no uh welcome back to grit uh uh again uh if you're listening uh you know for the sixth time or seventh time or the first time uh like subscribe follow uh drop a comment in one of our various uh facebook pages uh or or Instagram Twitter. or Twitter. Yeah, where else? Uh that's where? Else? Yeah, okay. All right. I think that's it. All right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, make sure to drop a comment, uh and again as always like, subscribe and uh thanks for listening. Uh so as Josh mentioned earlier today, Josh mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh we do have a guest. I'm excited about it. Um I uh I I had brief experience working with him and I it may have been super so super brief. Uh, working at the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch, that I I vaguely remember it. But the experience that I had, uh, or where I got to know Jeremy a little bit more, is um, uh, working at uh, the Office of Public Assistance uh, downtown. That, that was a lot of fun. Uh, neither of us were there for very long. Well, Jeremy was there for a lot longer than I was. But uh, but shortly after he left, I I went somewhere else. But Needless to say, that's that's where I met him. And, and by the way, Jeremy, I keep mentioning Jeremy. Jeremy is our guest uh, speaker today. So we're going to be uh, asking him some questions. We're going to be going through some stuff with him. Uh, we're going to get a background. You're going to understand why he's a guest on the show, uh, but you're also going to understand uh, uh, what he's about, or what his church is about. And uh, really looking forward to uh, to talk about that today.
0: Yeah. Uh, so one of the uh, few feedbacks we've gotten is, uh, you know, they understand and, and and you all agree with us as to what we feel about Kenneth Copeland and the Joel Olsteins and those churches that are out there trying to to make their church a business rather than a mission. Um, you know, obviously we've discussed this in the past, but to be a pastor or what we believe a pastor should be is a true shepherd of their flock, putting their themselves in the way of danger for their sheep. Um, being able to outreach, go find the sheep that are out there and, uh, use love, um, to bring them back. The money side of things, obviously, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And we understand that a lot of you out there have experienced, uh, personal issues with pastors who have put money and the bottom line over souls, over, uh, what the true purpose of the church is, um, and obviously, if you've heard our last uh, podcast, you understand. If not, go back and listen. We're pretty hard on on uh, pastors uh, out there, especially ones with the loudest voices and the ones who have convinced uh, their millions of followers to give them millions of dollars because they're the mouth and earpiece to God. Somehow they they enter. They, they People are, and I don't mean this mean, but they're ignorant to what it meant when the veil ripped after Christ died in the tabernacle. Uh, that we don't need people like Kenneth Copeland to speak on God's behalf. The Holy Spirit speaks in us. And so obviously that being said, the historical view that we have of pastors is not a very pleasant one. And one of the questions we I've not been hearing a lot is, well, okay, okay. We understand. We agree. But you keep saying that there are pastors out there who uh, do have grit's mission uh, statement in mind. Those who we've promoted before, those who we have talked about in depth Like I talked about my mentor, Pastor Wiley, and I believe that Jeremy is definitely uh, on the same line as Pastor Wiley uh, and and other pastors who uh, really embody what it means to be a leader of the church. Um, You know, somebody who doesn't go against uh, a man seeking righteousness or a woman seeking righteousness for their own gain. Uh, Somebody who puts their bottom line, uh, um, you know, behind their mission is somebody like Jeremy.
1: Um, well, it sucks because, uh, I mean, like the the pastors that you were mentioning before, uh, you know, like before you were talking about Pastor Wiley and, and Jeremy, um, you know, Kenneth Copeland or, or, or whomever, uh, they also have the most visibility, too. So, you know, like uh, they're out there and, and so it becomes a, a household name, you know, because they have the highest amount of visibility. And so uh, just an innocent bystander takes that at face value and then makes a, you know, uh, response or, or develops a hypothesis as to what all pastors must be like, because this is, these are the pastors that they're seeing. Right. And so it, it does not give, it does not give pastors that are pastors in the whole biblical sense of the word. Uh, it, it does not give them a fair shake. They, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, grinding, <laughs> grinding, uh taking pennies from the church, if anything, mm-hmm. um, but but giving back their entire being, uh, to make sure that not only is the church, you know, still standing at the end of the week, um, but they're they're you know, the lay people or or the individuals In that their go community. to the church, yeah. Are and and the community is, is still standing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're they're still at least uh somewhat um Re-energized, or, or 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 physically, or mentally, or spiritually healthy, um, because it's you know that's their main main goal. But but pastors like that don't get a fair shake because uh, the pastors that we see uh, so prominently uh, in Christianity are are so far from, in my opinion, so far from from what Christ you know wanted. So it, it sucks because the you know like the thing is you, you have a soapbox. They already have you know. Status and so then you know they're yeah. they're going to have visibility and so then what happens is the 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 pastors that do and and what ends up happening a lot of times is burnout yeah you know
0: absolutely and and two uh you know the, sorry wait, to interrupt that no there. no no you're no that's fine <laughs> Uh but you have to understand too for listeners who don't live in Billings Montana where Jeremy's church is located is what's considered the quote-unquote ghetto of Billings. It's in the south side of Billings. It's uh, it's right smack dab in the middle of probably the lowest socioeconomical uh, group of, of people. That doesn't mean that the people who attend his church or the people who are there are poor by any means. But what it means is that they understand institutional and systemic racism. They understand uh, low income work and they understand what it's like to have to walk in 20 degree below zero weather just to get to poverty. It. Exactly. Yep. And so when Jeremy, his church is like literally smack dab in the middle of this community. And so Jeremy, uh, I went out to lunch with him a few months back and we, we discussed thanks uh, for the invite. Well, yeah, the grit wasn't a thing yet. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he discussed a lot of the, the things that he does and which I'll have him talk about and rather than me. But I got to know Jeremy at Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch. We worked together at a, at a lodge for 12 to 15-year-old boys who had uh, intellectual and developmental delays. Um, Jeremy, I knew something was different about him back then. Um, and he always wanted to kind of be a pastor. But at that time, uh, you know, he was using that mission to work with uh, youth um troubled youth especially. And then I I didn't really um see him once we both parted ways there. Uh but I did run into him a few times of traffic. He yelled at me and said, Hey, it was like we, you know, didn't even miss a beat. And then when he became a head pastor over at his church, um, and then I, I talked to him about them there, I just knew that when we started grit that I wanted to have him on here.
1: You you ran into Josh in traffic.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's tall enough that you can see him from a distance. Yeah, forever away. Yeah. yeah, it's got to be Josh. Did you flip him off? Uh, no, <laughs> oh, I, I don't believe Yeah, because so. I, mean, I would have. <laughs> from that distance, he probably couldn't tell either um, way. Yeah. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: so uh, obviously, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jeremy Bourne uh, to the Grit Podcast. Welcome, hey,
1: Jeremy.
4: Welcome. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be on here and to be able to talk with you guys about what you guys uh, what your mission is and and how that's similar to what mine is. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: You have already said more than Derek said. So
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. All I'm out. So, yeah, right. yeah. Thank, Thank you, you everybody. Uh, that's all you've got. <laughs> and if you want to send me money for that. You know, like,
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. Please uh, send money. Yes. Inspirational.
4: So, definitely. So, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you work. Okay, so my name is Jeremy, as, as uh, they've said, and uh, I work at Bethel Baptist Church, which is in the south side of Billings, as Josh pointed out. And um, as Josh said, most people when they hear south side of Billings, they think low income, they think uh, high crime rates, they think... Um, um, dude. <laughs> don't worry about, don't worry about the gaps. Right. Take your time. Cause okay. we can cut it. Um, they think about addiction. That's uh, the other one I was looking for. They think about addiction mm-hmm. and, uh, and those, those are true. I mean, that, in minorities. Uh, yep. And that stuff is true on the South side. But one of the things people don't realize is that there's actually a beauty to the South side as well. And one of the things that's really neat about it is there's a small community feel. Uh, one of the things that's blown my mind is how many generations of uh, certain families, have lived nowhere but the South side. Like you'll find four generations deep of a Hispanic family where they've never lived anywhere else, but the South side of Billings. And so in some ways, like there's a lot of uh, people are related to each other through marriage or whatever. And it's like, uh, everybody knows everybody on the South side, which is very different than anywhere else, you know, in Billings. And so you get this kind of a small town feel and, and there's a lot of love and hospitality and uh, neighborhood events going on all the time. And, and people will like, as a pastor, I have people bring me food to church. Like, uh, I had a, a kid bring me a plate of enchiladas one night to youth nice. group. That, oh, that, not that Ambrosia, salad, no. that, that, ambrosia yeah, salad! Did you hear that?
1: Enchiladas—that's <laughs> a far cry from Ambrosia
0: salad. The, the joke is, is that most assembly of gods when they do potlucks, there's nine different kinds of Ambrosia salad. <laughs> that's and, funny. You know, Go ahead. Sorry.
4: Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, and this was like authentic Mexican food, oh, you know. And, and, and like, yeah. uh, we've had people drive by our house and and then message us, "Hey, we left something on your front steps." And it was carne asada tacos oh, with homemade tortillas, still like, steaming still right. sizzling I know and like we, oh. we had literally already eaten dinner like it was like 7 o'clock when this happened and we were like yeah I don't care yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and we didn't tell our kids either like Veronica and I we just oh, we fuck. ate all of it right on the spot oh, and uh, there's a reason I'm fat so. <laughs> uh, that's cool
0: man so you know one of the things uh, and I do want you to talk about your wife a little bit too because she's an amazing woman uh, I've met her a few times I mean he has like 26 kids and, um, <laughs> I raise two, I raised a boy and a girl and I just, I'm about ready to pull my hair out. Um, but before that, uh, you know, one of the things that you and I had discussed at YBGR and at the VIG, uh, things like that was your past. And, um, and I think it's important because one of the things we discussed a few podcasts back was the sin. Oh no, just the last one, uh, about uh, the, the apostle Paul, but that the sin, um, a lot of churches today will say, Oh no, you know, you, you have too much sin, or or, you're a new Christian and that sin still haunts you. And we like to promote the idea that, uh, Christ will take that sin and turn it, that weakness into a strength. And Mm -hmm. so one thing I know about you, but I want our listeners to know about you is a little bit, a little bit about your past. Um, Kind of tell us about your past and and the sin that that now defines, the weakness that defines your strength now.
1: Now, before you get to that, though, I I do want to speak to the uh, community-minded presence or the community presence in the South Side. Uh, Like, I can totally speak to that because um, my daughter has a friend that goes to, or went to, uh, Ponderosa. Um, and they had like this carnival, they had like this open, open house kind of thing at the, at the school. And this was like, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago or whatever, but it's the one thing that I noticed. And it's the one thing that I said, I was like, wow, like everybody knows each other. And like, it is, it is extremely friendly. Uh, like, and very like small community, not small minded, yeah. but small community minded. Like the the mindset here is is that it's a, this this community within a community, but extremely tight knit. For sure, and not click tight knit, but I'm saying like tight knit, like close. Like you could just tell uh, that the the South Side kind of rallies uh, with each other. And and I I even just in the hour and a half that I was there, uh, and it was really the first event that I'd ever. Uh, even taken taken part in on the south side and you know I was like wow this this is fantastic so yeah no, and it's rate, it yeah. is
4: cool. Like in the summertime, uh not this summer so far with COVID and all that, but uh oh, typically yeah. In, yeah typically in the summertime there's somebody putting on an event almost every week in South Park. And so you go to these events every week and you see, you know, you know almost everybody there. Yeah. You know, you may not know everybody as well as, you know, some of the people you know best but but i mean you at least know who they are right. and it's a lot yeah. of fun
1: recognize them for sure mm. yeah so at any rate again sorry for just interjecting and just dropping in there that's yeah. two off the top if it happens again <laughs> elbow drop off the top rope boom <laughs> okay. All right, back
4: to Jeremy's past. Yeah. yeah,
1: tell us a little bit about your background.
4: Okay, so whenever I talk about my past, I like to start with talking about my dad's past, just because uh, if I'm going to throw him under the bus, I want to give some context to it as well. So um, so my dad grew up in an abusive home in uh, San Diego, California, and it was, I mean, there was severe abuse there, so much mm-hmm. so that all of his uh, full-blood brothers, he had half-brothers, but they had different circumstances, so it wasn't the same story, but all of his sure. full-blood brothers um ended up growing up to, to take somebody's life um two of them ended up growing up to commit murder and then one of them grew up and took his own life and so the the severity of the abuse is a direct link to what Absolutely. they grew up to to be and so my dad never ended up killing anybody but coming from that same line of abuse he was um the meanest person i've ever met in my life um gotcha. and uh he struggled a lot with self-hatred and anger And so then when he had children, um, that self-hatred and anger was very much then uh, poured out on us.
1: Projected Mm -hmm. and perpetuated
4: on? Yeah. Oh, man. And so um, um, there was physical abuse in the home. There was verbal abuse. There was mental, emotional. um, And so growing up, I had a lot of daddy issues. And uh, the the anger and self-hatred that he felt, he essentially passed that on to me. And so I had a lot of self-hatred as a kid. And, and like if I were to describe like, what I felt most as a child growing up, it would be fear. Like, sure. I, was, I was just scared all the time. That's terrible. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Even, even if I didn't know why I was scared, like I just felt fear. And so that I struggled with that um, until, I mean, it still hasn't completely gone away, but, but until sure. I was like a, a teenager. And then what I found is that alcohol and drugs made the fear go away. Oh yeah, and so that was like, hey, I love not feeling fear. Like it feels not good to feel this, and so I, I was like an instant addict as a yep. teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first time I was drunk, like you know, some people wait till the next weekend to do it the next time, and it's like, nope, nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> tomorrow and I'm the next strike day while the irons hot, right? <laughs> and so I was an instant addict, and I was I was willing to take whatever was put in front of me. And, and fortunately, like God, God spared me from having a lot of the harder drugs ever put in front of me, um, which I think would have been even harder for oh, me to recover sure. from. Absolutely. Um, but I'm for sure a recovering alcoholic um, and, and had some issues with drugs uh, as well. And so that played along in my life until uh, about mid twenties. And, and when the drugs and alcohol took away the fear, all that was left was anger and uh so then i was a uh, a walking oh, uh time bomb ready to blow at any second so um no joke. And I mean, this is almost humiliating to say now, but I would literally, while I was wasted, walk up and down streets and just flip off cars, wanting just looking for somebody to drop on their head. Yeah. Right. Well, and again, I think God spared me because most of the time I was so wasted that somebody could have just probably given me a, a small push, push. and I would have fallen <laughs> over. Um, and maybe that happened times oh, and I don't really? remember it now, but, <laughs> right? but, uh, but, uh, but I mean, I could have got my butt Whoops. Oh on a regular Wa- basis. Walking up and down
1: the streets like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, man. Get over here. <laughs> without the harpoon and without the toughness. Right. Right. So. Oh man, see now now see you 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 tell that story. Uh and what I know of you uh my experience um working with you in, in the past, uh uh that surprises the hell out of me like I yeah no um, nobody like sees yeah that. no I wouldn't I wouldn't I would never guess uh so my experience with Jeremy I mean Jeremy uh is is uh he's got a great sense of humor he's he's a very kind and and uh honest person but extremely kind like if he's got something to say that you know as far as an area of correction like you know what are you doing he he says it with the utmost tact it makes you feel like it makes you feel like you know like oh man that guy's a really nice guy even though he just told me i'm an idiot but (laughs) i I don't know if i've ever been in that position where he's told me i'm an idiot but i but then again i don't know because he, he his tact and his kindness uh and his compassion towards other people it just absolutely exceeds anything that I would expect out of a normal human being. And so then to hear this, like, uh, you know, like, hey, yeah, yeah, just go walking up and down the streets looking for somebody, you know, somebody's ass to kick and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd find them, but uh, I'd flip them off. At least that'd make me feel better. So <laughs> if I hear that, you know, like, I'm like, oh man, I had no idea. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, and um, we'll get into it later, but it's just a testament to the, to the change that, uh, that obviously, you know, uh, you know, maybe it was a conscious effort within you and most likely uh, Christ within you. Yeah. But yeah, but um, absolutely. but so so like uh, outside of that, then uh, we were back to the streets. You were you were uh, roaming where the streets have no name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like at, at that point, if you wouldn't mind carrying on, you know, continuing from there.
4: Yeah, so it got to the point where I was blacking out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't like that at all. I'd wake up the next morning and go, I don't even know what I did last night. And uh, there were some times where people would fill me in and I wish they wouldn't. You know, they'd be like, hey, this is what you oh, did yeah. last night. I'm like, no, do no, I re- didn't. Do you remember that? Right. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, you, there was one time where I was actually living in this ghetto hotel where you paid $90 a month to live there. And essentially, the only reason that i like i was I was actually working i was it was strange I was able to work a job and then be wasted all hours be when I wasn't working and so I lived in this ninety dollar a month uh motel just just so I could use all my money for alcohol you know like that's oh, where all man. my all my money went and i mean in this place like Everybody who stayed there was selling drugs out of there. You could yeah. hear people having sex through the walls. Gunshots uh, and shit? Was well, there-, there was no gunshots while okay. I was there, but there was fights. And, you know, like, there was one, one time in specific I could hear two guys banging on somebody's door to try to break in and yelling at them. Oh, that when man. they get on the other side, they were going to, you know, hurt him. But uh, they didn't say hurt him. They used some other words. Yeah. But- <laughs>
1: so can I ask, was this, was, this, uh, was this hotel, like, have you ever seen the movie Big? Uh, with Tom Hanks? No, I
4: haven't. Okay, have you seen the movie Big
1: Josh? Okay, so like St. James Place, the hotel that he stays (laughs) in. Uh, You know, it's like, basically it's like uh, there's a deposit for sheets, you know, and there's uh, (laughs) nightly rates or hourly rates. It was hourly rates. Um, But uh, so Tom Hanks, you know, the the premise behind the movie is he's he's 13. He wishes that he was taller, but the wish comes true, but he's older. He's like 30 years old, you know? And so... And so you know, Tom Hanks, of course, is the adult, um, what whatever his la- whatever his name is. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh so then he basically he goes home and his mom freaks out and says, Who is this? you know, because he's like an adult, you know, he's a thirty year old uh, adult. Right. So he has to stay somewhere, you know, so he ends up, you know get in this room before, you know, he gets a job and everything else, but he gets this room, stays there a couple of nights, and that's how it was. You hear this, you know, like screaming and banging on the door. Somebody's trying to break into his room, so he locks the door, but the lock's not working, so he pushes, you know, like a dresser in front of it and everything else. So I'm curious to know if it it is – you know, or if it was a little bit like that, of course in the in the movie it's it's over Hollywooded, you know, like right. it, it really is exaggerated a little bit. You do hear gunshots and everything. May I else, buy two drugs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like one weed, please. <laughs> to inject. <laughs> So
4: yeah, it was it was it was crazy, and and like we had community bathrooms too. Like I didn't have a bathroom for myself while I was living there, but there was a sink in there, oh, which man. I uh, promise you I used as a urinal. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, oh, no. without question. I've done that in hotel rooms <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. As you
1: said, there was a sink in there. I said, well, there is a bathroom, <laughs> right?
4: <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, those were were uh, quality times. But uh, there was a time where somebody had come over because I always had alcohol on me. Mm. Um, and so there was some people who came over to, uh, get beer from me and they told me the next day that when they came in, I was running through the halls in nothing but my underwear. So like I was blacked out, drunk, had no idea I was doing this and heard that story. And I'm like, you know, and and I struggle with self-hatred already. So, I mean, that just continued to pile that on. Absolutely. And, uh, so what would happen is I'd wake up every day, remember bits and pieces or hear bits and pieces the increase of self hatred would happen. And the odd thing is, but I mean it's the way addiction works, is I would go, what will take away this pain and self hatred?
1: More alcohol. More alcohol. <laughs> so
4: so like literally, like if it was if I had to go to work, I'd go make it through the day and then hit the alcohol. Um, if it was a, a weekend, I'd wake up and literally start drinking as soon as oh, as soon as I woke up. Yeah. Wow. Um and and uh also I mean the to to conclude my time at this lovely place i ended up actually getting kicked out of this place not for being too violent or crazy but for actually i mean this is this is uh humbling to say but because i wet the bed too many times oh. because i would get so yeah. wasted yeah. that that i you couldn't
1: make it to the sink right, it was
4: too it was 4 feet from me <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah, uh, right.
1: well you know you passed out blackout you know like it's it's gonna it's bound to happen right
4: and so like they did they in this hotel they also cleaned the room. Rooms. And so, like, when they come in and the the bed is peed in on nah. multiple occasions, they're like, um, "We yeah, don't want to keep doing go. this." So, yeah. I actually got kicked out for wetting the bed too much as a grown man, which that's, nobody nobody wants to be the guy that did that at, at a uh, hotel that's ninety bucks
1: a month. Right? <laughs> 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 the cockroaches
4: can stay, but you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta get the hell out, man. So yeah, so I was a, I was uh, uh-huh. not like you know a lot of times it's easy to tell the cool sides. Like, you know, when I was drunk, I did this or I did that. And I was really cool for doing that. But I mean, I was, I was a mess and couldn't take care of myself at all. Sure. So,
0: um, tell us a little bit about like, you know, when you, when you talk about the alcoholism and things like that, how are your relationships with people, uh, that you would consider friends or that, um, you know, one of the things we hear a lot is that I've done too much damage to the people I love. Uh, how if they can ever forgive me? How could Christ forgive me? So, um, tell us about your relationships with the people that were closest to you at that time, as you were blacked out, drunk, and an addict.
4: So I, I literally pushed everybody away um, during those years. I mean, I had a younger brother who was still in high school at the time, and and. uh there, there was a time where my parents would let him come and visit me on weekends and stuff, and uh, they ended up saying no more to that because they were concerned about his well-being if he'd come and visit. So, I mean, oh, my God. parents and and siblings were even staying away from me at that point, and literally every friend that I had uh, left. I mean, the only people who talked to me when I was at my worst were the people who wanted beer. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And so, how did you feel about that? Like, was that would that just add to the self hate? It
4: did. Yep. Yeah. It, it did. I like it. Just confirmed to me that I really was as worthless as I thought that I was. Gotcha. So
0: at that time, I mean, you were low. You hated yourself. You thought you were worthless. Nobody would ever find value in you. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um. So, I mean, is there any like anything else besides the alcohol? Like the people you ran with. Um you know, uh, when you broke out of the, you know, when you were kicked out of this apartment, like what happened next? Like, tell
4: us about that. So I got to the point where I was uh, suicidal. Um, I was like, there's no point in living any longer. And, uh, uh, decided that I was going to take my own life, but I had somebody who, I mean, I think it was God's providence, even though, um, This person I don't believe is even a believer in God. So, but I mean, ironically, God uses, I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, God speaks through a donkey, you know, so it's like, (laughs) so uh, this guy's
1: not a a Christian, but uh, I guess I could use him. Right. Um,
4: And so he happens to run into me and I'm not sure um, what, what motivated motivated him to say what he said, but I'm glad that he did. And he essentially said, um, you're a piece of crap. When you're drunk, there's no denying that nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be around you, but you're not that bad of a guy when you're sober. Huh. And, and so like, it just put this spark in my mind. Like, cause I, my problem was self hatred. And I was like, Ooh, it's possible for there to be a different story of me having relationships with other people and having value if I were sober. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at that point I was like, I mean, what do I got to lose? I have no friends in my life. Everybody's abandoned me at that point. Um, and so, I have this opportunity to kind of reinvent myself. And so, what I decided to do is, I literally hid essentially. Because when I, when I, since I've been drunk so much, like, and already struggled with self hatred, relationships really became like, Just bumping into people sober was hard. Like, I remember one time after in this stage, I had to go shopping still, unfortunately. Like, there was no Uber and stuff where, you know, I couldn't have people bring me what I needed. I actually (laughs) had to go out in public, even though I didn't want to. Um, I remember (laughs) uh, going into an Albertsons to go grocery shopping. And it, it seemed like the lights were so bright because I was living most of my life in the dark at night, you know, oh, yeah. and, and the, it seemed just like the lights were so bright. And I remember my heart just beating. Like I could feel it pounding hard in my chest and I was scared out of my mind to go shopping. You know, like oh, I was just yeah. terrified because I, I hadn't done anything. Like so but... an
1: anxiety attack because, you know, I was like, what is this? Um, I have all of these like feelings and my conscience is sharp, you know, like mm-hmm. everything's focused. You and know? I think
0: it's important for people who don't understand addiction that it's not it's not just where you, p- you pick up where you left off. When you start to sober up and then you start feeling these emotions, it's a floodgate. Mm-hmm. Like oh, all yeah. those emotions that you have numbed yourself to for however long you've been addicted, all, all of a sudden at come yep. at you at once, and you don't know how to deal. So yeah. not only do you have anxiety, but then you have that. There's a new sense of fear that comes onto you for and sure. It's terrible.
4: It is. Oh yeah, that was just overwhelming. Is that what but was going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I managed to do the shopping that I needed to do, but most of my life and for the next four years, I literally hid. Yeah. For four years to stay sober, I hid. And what's interesting it was during those four years at the same time that God actually got a hold of my life. So nice.
1: yeah. So 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 tell me about that because so I mean, with the you know, the individual and I do you even know their name? You know, you don't have to say their name or anything like that, but uh, did you were you an acquaintance with this individual? So
4: I used to. So before I started blacking out on a regular basis, people would party with me. So it was a guy I partied with on a regular okay. basis, right. and then and then I, I'm sure because when I was blackout drinking, I was still trying to go to parties, which was not a good idea. I was just making sure. a, a fool of myself. But uh, but I would see him at those parties as well. So. Oh, gotcha. But I mean, we were friends who intentionally partied together at one point.
1: Gotcha. And so it's, it's, it's crazy though, because like what you had said, or at least the gist of what, what he had said, um, at face value was, was very simple. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's very simple. But in, intrinsically for you it was profound right like it, it was this it was life a game changing, changer yeah, yeah. life-changing <laughs> event like that uh, that flipped the switch it was like well wait a second if I'm not a bad guy when I'm sober now all I have to deal and now all I have to do is deal with the emotions that I tried to numb out you right know? Mm-hmm. like that's it I, I maybe you know like I don't have to be this angry guy that's that's drinking and everything else but you know, and so when you were, when you flipped the switch and you were sober, you mentioned about going into Albertsons and, and, you know, like it was an emotional floodgate that that opened mm-hmm. up, you know, and you're just, you know, in there just trying to get what you need and get out because, you know, otherwise, you know, like your, your brain's going to explode. Right. Um, but uh, more so than that, then you said uh, four years you mm-hmm. hid. Um, so so again, into that with that profound, to you profound statement, you know, from this individual that that really just said, I'd never looked at it this way before. You know,
4: you know what else is funny about this statement? I am almost confident because I was intoxicated so much that he'd never even seen me sober. So like it was it was strange that he'd go. You know, when you're sober, you're not a you bad know, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> have you fight. have you ever seen that guy <laughs> Count,
1: oh counting on your fingers like? Wait, how many times? <laughs> right, what does he right. consider sober? Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> is, is sober half a K, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Oh, So then the next four years. Uh, so again, I know that you were getting into that. Uh, what happened?
4: So um, again, this was a hiding stage. And I want to give you a little bit of what that looked like as well. I had a job and I'd go to work. But at this job, they made fun of me for how quiet I was. Uh-huh. Because I I was still so just broken inside, and I was hiding while I was at work. Essentially, like I'd do my job, but I wouldn't talk to anybody. They could, have, you know, like um, I could give yes or no answers, you know, but that was about it. And oh, you mean like Derek? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's all I had for anybody, you know. <laughs> uh, and and then I'd go home, and I would literally just play video games. Like it was it was that was my entire relationship was video games with humanity. That's the only way yeah, I had yeah. connected at all. Um, and it was, a, I mean, and did, did you use like,
1: uh, was it a multiplayer game or anything like that? Or was it just, was it a lot of solo stuff? Like, I'm just, curious. yeah, no, no multiplayer. Okay, like there was right, no conversation no interaction whatsoever. So yep. it was straight, you know, like Hermitsville USA. I, I was like.
4: I had, uh, there was no imprint of me gotcha. <laughs> anywhere at all. You know, yeah, like was...
1: you just basically got a W2 every year and that was it. <laughs> right. They're like,
4: we sure this guy exists. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> He's like Milton on uh, office space. Yeah, exactly. He's actually Down been in the fired basement. four yeah. years ago. And <laughs> right. He just keeps receiving a check. We don't. Yeah. So, so you, uh, you know, you're in your hiding stage, you're broken. And you said earlier that this is kind of when Christ took over your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before we get into the calling, I really want to know, uh, and I think our listeners really want to hear this transition from you going from broken. And I mean, and you're still probably broken after, but you know, that's a gradual process to heal. But tell us about when you found Christ and what that did to you and what that meant.
4: So my whole life, I'd always seen myself as a victim because of my childhood experience so like everything i did wrong including the addiction it's like that's my dad's fault like this this isn't my fault at all you should all feel sorry for me actually mm-hmm. um and so because i was a victim i've ne- I never done anything wrong in my life in my own in my own eyes and what was weird is, like, obviously, God had to reach me himself. Like, he couldn't use, I mean, he could, he's God, he can do whatever he wants to. He could have somebody show up at, a, at my door and knock, and I could have been a donkey even, you know. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, like how he chose to reach me. Right, you. how he the chose to reach bush. me while I, right. There, my toilet was on fire. <laughs> Your sink. Close yeah. enough. Burning bush, right. sink. It's all the same. So um, uh, what happened, though, is, like, I don't know how to describe it other than to say it was like a light switch got turned on on the inside of me to where it felt like everything that I'd ever done or thought or felt somebody else had seen it to the deepest parts of who I was. Like it wasn't it wasn't like I, those were my secrets anymore. It was like me and somebody else knew the real me. And uh, and so it was, it was interesting where God really got me was on my my inside life. Like there was enough that I could be condemned on the outside as well for for actions I actually did. But where God really got me was on the inside of who sure. who I was. And uh, it was really my thought life. And so um though I'd never killed anybody and lacked something to me you know, there was something that I lacked that made it to where I never went and killed somebody, it was not anger that I lacked. Like there was enough hostility and enough desire to actually see people dead that I thought about it. Like I, I sure. longed for people to die and yeah. and wanted that to happen. And uh, so I mean, just just seeing the depth of of how much I wanted to destroy humanity. And there was a sense where when somebody when it felt like somebody else could see that with me, it was really hard to excuse. Like even though I, you know my dad was was not good to me it was still really hard to excuse and and what i saw in myself is that everything that i hated what that looked like what what i hated was exactly who i was and wow. i essentially was was the monster that i that i hated about everybody else you know it was mm, exactly. was the core of who i was and i couldn't argue against that like now, i still wanted to be the victim and be like no no yeah, i can't yeah yeah I, can. I mean
1: my dad you know right. like his, yeah. his, his <laughs> brothers
4: his brothers killed people not me right. i didn't do that mm-hmm. and so um What I decided to do at that point was I was like, okay, well, it makes sense that there's this monstrous part of me. Um, All I've ever seen or fed into myself has been monstrous stuff as well, you know. Sure. And so what if I buy a Bible? You know, like if I buy a Bible and I start reading it, could that kind of balance out the monster inside of me? Yeah. And so that's what I ended up doing as I as I bought a Bible and uh, even after I bought it, though, it still took me a couple of weeks to open it. You know, it's like sure, sit, it's sitting yeah, on the shelf. Yeah, right. like,
1: I bought it. In, uh, that, that should make me a better person alone. Yeah, right, right. Right. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> right. If anybody walks in right now, uh, I'm going to display it like, you know, the showcase <laughs> at, at the Price Is <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like in here we have a Bible.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so eventually, though, on, on a day where I was feeling particularly low, I was like, all right, screw it. Let's see what this thing has to say. And, I mean, I grew up going to church as a kid, too. Okay. I should say that. Um, what was interesting is I think uh, my mom genuinely loved Jesus and my dad didn't, you know, and my dad was completely on the opposite side of things. Sure. And so one of the things I should even point out, too, is I grew up going to church, but then with having the dad that I had, I believed there was a God, but I was like, why did you put me in this life the way that I came into this world and
1: I think our listeners can relate to Uh, that absolutely 100% I I don't I there's not a whole lot of people that can't relate relate to that statement Uh, and And so yeah so
4: like I had this view this idea yeah there is a God I don't really want to know him and as a matter of fact I hate him you know and and, and so uh um that was that's the the mindset that I had though is that I hated God throughout all of those years as well and so i knew a little bit about christianity um the basics you know there's god there's jesus he died on a cross don't know anything else though you know, yeah except for the stories of it, yeah. s- stories of david and you know or, or yeah
1: or parables uh mm-hmm. a few parables but the, the epic stories you know like right. uh, noah's Samson. ark and moses and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah the, the typicals you know like mm-hmm. the ones the ones that you would normally hear but n- not the you know obscure ones like ehud and you know like right you No, know, oh, that's a good that's a good story it's a great story but you know it's like one of those ones that you don't you know like unless you're Unless you're like reading the Bible, and unless you're in church all the time, you may not catch it ever. You know, right? But it's like For an sure. amazing story. Or when
4: Phineas spears uh, two people who are having sex, runs the <laughs> spear through both <laughs> of them into the ground. Yeah, terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: but so, um, but I, I really want to make this clear too that when when God approached you in your personal or in, in your inside life, that monster, mm-hmm. it wasn't the threat of hell and eternal damnation. It was confronting the monster inside of you, so that you know so basically God came to you with love and compassion and a way out of the life that you had created for yourself, yes, correct, mm-hmm. and I think that is really another thing that i I want to emphasize on. we don 't have to dig into it, but I want to emphasize that when when our listeners, once who are confused with what they're hearing from the this you know the 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 pulpit um, they they hear a lot of you know death and damnation believe in God or else. Right. Um, and that's not how God approached you, it sounds like. No. It was, you're spiraling, and I'm going to intervene as much as I can because I love you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a, a, a key point I really want to emphasize is that when you did, when you accepted that, you, you accepted it from a position of love and compassion and unworthiness maybe, but altogether all it was like, wow, something, no matter how big this monster is inside of me, God came down um and showed me love and compassion.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's
1: interesting to 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 note the type of love though that it was. It I mean, based on how you were describing uh how how God made himself present to you. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's a love that is a fatherly love. You yeah. know, I am like a a a good fatherly love, I should say. In the fact that Although they're, you know, like, you know, he's open and willing for you to be, you know, for you to change, you know, mm-hmm. for you to experience change. Everything within your soul was laid bare. Yeah. You know? It was uncovered and laid bare, you know. It, it, so it's it's not the kind of love that you think, you know, snuggles and warm right, fuzzies. For it's, sure. It's oh, my, oh my God. uh. I I have to change and mm-hmm. but he's willing to let me. Yeah. You know, like that's that's it's that unconditional aspect that says, "Look, like I know you screwed up. Like, look, I can see it for myself." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all right there, but but I don't care. Right. You know, like now's the time to change. And so I think it's important to to note that it's just that, you know, like when when some people, you know, cuz the concept of love now is so skewed uh, is is so different uh, than than what you know what we would like to think love is. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of love now, just in society in general, is is very skewed in in comparison to what it should be. And mm. and when you say something like that, uh, you know, like where it's like, yeah, it, you know, it's like somebody else knew, you know, exactly what was going through my mind, what what exa- the, what exactly my heart felt. Um. But to God. It still didn't matter what mattered was that you were different each and every day later you know as, you know as you push forward it wasn't i and correct me if i'm wrong it wasn't an automatic change it wasn't a change that like overnight you're just like yep i'm i'm jeremy the angry guy that that ha- does not have his emotions in check to absolutely perfect and sanctified the next day. Right. With a savings account (laughs) bursting at the seam. Right. Prosperity. Miracle spring water. And
0: that really is a segue into the next question because I want to get into the calling, your calling Mm -hmm. to become a pastor. But tell us, um, if you could, uh, that growth uh, or what you did and the growth that you experienced between when you accepted Christ to the calling. That, that era.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And so I finally opened up that Bible and I just opened it up kind of in the middle and it turned out to be in the book of Proverbs. And it was somewhere halfway through the book of Proverbs. And I literally, as I started to read it, could not stop. And so I finished the entire book and went back to the beginning and, and read what I had missed. And, you know, Proverbs is considered wisdom literature. It's talking about the, the foolishness of man and, and what wisdom looks like. And I'm like, man, this is so accurate about what life is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, this is- has to be from God. I've never read truer words, you know. And, it's and, like and, spiritual open heart surgery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I got done with Proverbs, I was like, I'm going on to the next book, which is Ecclesiastes. Yep. A, a very similar uh, writing, you know, where, where it's, it's honest about human life. You know, and it's honest about that. Human life is hard, you know, And, and so I'm reading through this and I'm like, these words are literally from God, you so know. Did you like, it's crazy. The Psalms at that point, yeah. I, I did not. Um, instead, what there I did—don't say Song of Solomon. No, <laughs> then you're like, now wait a minute. God's a freak. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, but I fell in love with God's word, which is still true about me today. Like, I am a big Bible guy. Like, I encourage everybody read the Bible, know what's in your Bible, and not not just the the, the few stories that they tell kids, which are still strange stories, like Noah. Like, right. everybody drowned, but let's tell the kids yeah. that. <laughs> (laughs) what what would you
0: tell people uh, if they were opening the Bible for the first time what books should they open to
4: um, I think one of the Gospels is a great place to start. Uh, Matthew Spe-
1: specifically. With Matthew's my favorite Matthew's Gospel, yours? Okay. so I'm
4: actually preaching through the Book of Matthew currently at our church. I so. like John, so oh, well, we can't be friends. See? <laughs> well, see,
1: and I'll tell you, listen, like I'm, I'm with Josh. Like yeah. I, when it comes to the Gospels, uh, John is my favorite Gospel. But here's why: when I get to Matthew and I start reading the very first verse, you know, and it's like a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son, <laughs> yeah. of, David, the son of Abraham, I'm, I'm like, nope, that's it. I'm moving on. to Josh. <laughs> It's like no, numbers all over again. Skipping right. Matthew,
4: Mark, Luke. I'm going straight to John. Well, to be honest, I kind of skip over the G.I. Ge- yeah, yeah. yeah, it's
1: the entire first chapter. Yeah, right. right.
4: Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, that, that's fine. Um, but I I love God's word, and I I I try to teach our people specifically, like make sure you're reading God's word on a regular basis for yourself. And so, um, anyway, so just through reading the Bible, like it it opened my eyes to that God was not just somebody who existed, but somebody that could actually speak into my life and be accurate, you know, and, and what I had realized as I read through that is that never in my life had I actually thought he was somebody I wanted to listen to. And now when I see the accuracy of his word, I'm like, maybe that's been my biggest problem throughout my life is that I, I was never actually willing to listen to God. Listen. Yeah. And so um, I became a beast in reading, and like i 'm not a i 'm not an, a somebody who was known for intelligence like growing up i was a, a, D, a D student you know and um and and so like i 'm not a very academic guy, but all of a sudden i 'm just reading all the time. Like I go to work, I actually started bringing books to work too. Uh, so I could uh, read them during my breaks and stuff. So whether it be the Bible or other Christian books, but I'm like, I'm trying to absorb everything that I can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and the Bible being, you know, like how many, how many years old, but still relatable today Absolutely. To you and, and, mm-hmm. and and meet you, you know, like, and and speak uh, to the, to the things that are currently going on in your life, no matter how uh, outdated year wise, you know, the Bible may seem, you know, it's, it's, it's very relatable. Mm. So that's, that's really
4: cool. (laughs) And so as I'm, as I'm just uh, taking all of this in and, and studying the Bible, I come to the realization that my biggest problem that I've had in my life was not my dad, but that was my own heart and that I had a sin nature. And uh, that the Bible teaches that the sin nature is prone to disobey God, you know, and, and, and God is good and, and what's opposite him is evil. And that tends to be where sinners go. And so, like, obviously, uh, there was things that happened in my life that that pushed me in a specific direction. But I was I was already going that direction anyways. I mean, it might have pushed me further in that sure. direction or whatever, but but my bend was towards that direction. And I knew in my own heart from the things that I'd seen in my own thought life that that was true. Like there was something fundamentally wrong with me that pushed me towards evil instead of towards God, and so it was at that point that I was I was very aware of my own sin and and what it was, mm-hmm. and then also learning from God's word that that Jesus died for sinners like me was just it blew my mind and melted my heart. I was like just amazed that because I didn't feel like anybody else had ever loved me, and and like yeah. I'm, I'm like here's here's somebody who knew the worst of me. And went out of his way to love me and to offer me a new life and life with him forever. You know, and it was like, and and it was just... Like, I can't explain to you, you know, you talked about, was there a switch overnight? I mean, obviously there's always been still progress and I've had lots of bumps in the road along the way. Sure. But there was a sense where there was a a switch flipped overnight where literally like on a Tuesday, I'm like, I hate God. And on a Wednesday, I'm telling people, you need Jesus. (laughs) Like, Like, I I remember that night as I was, as I came to terms with this, just sitting on my bedroom floor, bawling. And it wasn't it was tears of joy. Like I was just so overwhelmed by this idea that, that yeah. I was loved that it changed me radically in that moment. Well, especially
1: with the, the cycle of uh, self hate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't even love yourself and without question he's, he's there. Yep. You well, know, and so.
0: then you got to think too, like emotionally, like you go from self hate and blackout drunk and you have that switch. And then all of a sudden uh, a path, no matter how hazy it looks at the moment, all of a sudden appears, and then it's like, direction. wait, there yeah. is direction. Yeah. In my there's body. hope. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, wait, right. Say, say exactly. wait, say that again. There's hope, and that right there is is what Christ brings. It's you know, going back to our previous podcast, it's not about how much money you can send or the intercessor that's going to be the earpiece and mouthpiece of God to tell you how you should feel guilty. And the best way you can you know get through that is four easy payments of ninety nine ninety nine. It's about hope. That is what I, I, that's the Christ I'm trying to reintroduce people that Ben and I are trying to reintroduce uh, to people is the hope in this world right now. That's what we need.
1: Yeah. So, so let me ask that, um, like when you're, you know, you have this insatiable appetite for scripture, you know, at this point, are, are you seeking out a, a church at this point?
4: Yeah, I I started, I actually had a coworker who was going to church, and so I asked him if I could take along with him, and uh, so I, I was able to go with him, and I think he was kind of new to Christianity as well, and, and we literally would slip in, like, intentionally a few minutes late, <laughs> so we didn't have to talk to anybody. Perfect. Because uh, yeah,
1: it's uh, it's intimidating. Sometimes. It is. It's yeah.
4: really scary to go into a church when you have a, a past. You yeah, know? right. And yeah, you think it,
1: everybody knows. You know? Right, and, and, and that they don't. Yeah. which is
4: over that's overstated everybody's got a pass but yeah, right. but you think they don't and that you're the only one in that room at that time that mm-hmm. has a pass so exactly. it's like i'm going to sneak in right after it starts and you kind of have an idea when the service is wrapping up too you know like the pastor getting yeah. towards the end of his sermon and you're like it's time to go, yeah. <laughs> and I and I literally went to this church for probably six to eight months without meeting anybody. You know, like I, yeah. I was very intentional yeah. about not coming building relationships
1: or, or coming in late, leaving early, uh, just you know, basically just. Almost like Hermitsville, but Hermitsville within a church. You know, yeah. so it's like I, I hid, but I'm I'm only hiding from people, not from God. I, I, right. want, I want to be there, but I, I just I'm not ready for people yet. Is that is that what it, it was kind of like?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Like, like my heart was on fire for God, but I still was scared to start trying to build relationships with people. Yeah,
1: so. yeah. You know, and and the thing is that uh, that kind of uh, self schedule that you you put in place there. Uh, is probably um, pretty, I mean, that's probably a good thing. It's probably a great thing, you know, especially when you're talking about uh, your relationship with Christ, you know, there can be times where people may intervene and say some really stupid stuff. Right. So, you know, who knows what would have happened, you know? I mean, I don't know the church that it was or the church that you went to or what type of church it was or what type of pastor it was or whatever, but at least... In my experience, you know, like in the in the in the past, uh, I was a youth pastor, and I, I, you know, I know, like you know, people may get overzealous, and they, they may say something without the knowledge or wisdom to back it up. Right. Their intentions may be good from their perspective, mm-hmm. but it it can wreck somebody, you know. For sure. Like and and so uh, you know, I wonder you know, how much of that, you know, like hiding was, was more beneficial, uh, than not, you know, mm-hmm. and, and clearly you're here right now. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it worked with <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right or wrong. It works. Right. So kind of hid and, uh, just basically soaked it all in. Was it, what was it that experience like for you?
4: Um, I, it was good. Uh, I learned a lot while I was there and I was really in a learning stage. Like I just wanted to know more. Um, and uh, over time, probably around the six to eight months of, of being there, eventually some people were like, hey, you've been coming for a while. We're going to like they like I had a strategy to not be known. And they came up with strategies to we're going to get to know you. Yes. Right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and which was good. And, and uh, there was a couple of guys in particular who were really uh, good in uh, reaching out to me and, and intentionally getting to know me and were very loving and encouraging. So that was that was really helpful. And then also at that time, the, the church ended up having a split. The pastor ended up having uh, some issues that some of the church thought he should be fired for. The rest of the church thought he shouldn't. He ended up stepping down anyways, and the church split. And there was a, a lot of people. Um, I mean, it wasn't a huge church, so a lot is relative. But there was, sure. there was people who, who um, saw my passion for God cause as they started getting to know me. And we're like, I'm really glad you're here at this time because I'm starting to have questions about God because of the church split. And here you are just like, all you can say is how great God is, you know. And, and so um, it, it made it to where uh, I had some really good relationships uh, in that season with some people from the church. And so, I mean, it was it was just it was a good experience for me. So yeah.
1: at that point, was that uh, was that like the um, the awakening? Was that the beginning of the of the calling? Like, it, hey, God, God's kind of starting to use me with you know like all this reading and stuff I didn't know this was gonna happen but right no that's that's <laughs>
4: exactly it actually there was a an uh, older lady although if she hears this and realizes I'm calling her the older lady she might want to <laughs> hurt me um but she was older than me I'll just go with that yeah <laughs> um and she actually said and like this had never been on my radar never thought of it knew nothing about it and she was like you're gonna make a great pastor someday and I'm like what <laughs> yeah, whoa. Uh, okay. settle down don't yeah. talk don't uh, talk nice, to me like easy, that easy <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's so um there was uh that's that is where the the thoughts of like where, what is god gonna do with my life started to form there Yeah. Okay. so tell
0: us about that calling like so once you seized on that opportunity you see the calling that was the beginning how did you seize on it and how did you progress to to where you are today without getting into where you are today
4: okay um so uh it was interesting like i i started to think like well maybe god does want me to be a pastor and so uh at some point i decided well hey i'm going to i'm going to look into and see what this pastoral thing is all about and like how do you get there and and it became clear i probably need to go to college to be able to become a pastor and so i started looking at some bible colleges and as I said before, I was not a good student, D student, sure, not not known for being very smart or academic. And so, literally, like as I'm looking at these colleges, they have these big words all over the college, <laughs> all over all over their websites and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what these words mean. Yeah, right. You know, Wait like, a second, like, what's going on here? There, and I literally thought to myself, there is no chance I can actually do that. And so, I guess if it takes that, I'm not meant to be a pastor. Oh, wow. So I actually at that point was like, yeah, I guess I'm not going to be okay, pastor. So
1: yeah, so kind of uh check that off the list, you know, crossed it out and said, "Okay, what's next?"
4: Yep, yeah, so w- what are you going to use me for, God? It's not going to be a pastor. <laughs> right, <though>. right. <laughs> and wow. so so then at that point though, I'm working at a feed plant in Lewistown, Montana, and uh so we're making feed for cows and sheep and pigs and and such. And uh I've worked there for a few years now by this point and uh Uh, our bosses had a a company meeting and let us know that they were going to try to sell the business. It was in their best interest at that point in time to sell it. And so they didn't know what the future of the business was going to hold and that if they did sell it, they didn't know if there'd be uh, losses of employment for anybody at that time. So they just wanted us to be aware that we may need to start looking for new jobs um, and, and that they were unsure of the future. And so literally at that point, I'm like, well, like, I'm still very unsure myself and everything. So I'm like, if I have to go find a new job, that would, that would be hard to do. Like, I don't know that I'm good at anything. I don't know what I could go do. So like, that's, that would be an intimidating road to have to try to do that again. And going to college would also be an intimidating road. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do either of those. So, um, if God sells the job and I lose my place, I'll go to college, so i like I start praying that I'm like God if if this is really from you, you really want me to be a pastor, you really want me to go to college, then have this company be bought, have me I'll, lose my job you're gonna have to close the door and I'll go, gotcha, yeah and, and then. And boom! Close. Slammed, yep. slammed, shut. Yep, it, it exactly happened uh, like that. And, uh, I remember joking with some of my coworkers at the time and and telling them, you know, sorry, you guys lost your job because of me. <laughs> 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 and, yep. uh, That's what I was thinking too. Like, I wonder if they're like, God, <laughs> it's
0: like it's like Jonah thanks, and the whale, yeah, right? Thanks <laughs> for looking out for Jeremy. They should
4: have thrown you out. They yeah. should have thrown you over. Just overboard. fired me. Like, yeah. go. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> So so then I uh, was like, I oh, guess I'm going to, to college. And so um, I checked out a couple of schools, went to Yellowstone Baptist College here in Billings, which is now called Yellowstone Christian College, but yep. it was Yellowstone Baptist at the time. And uh, went and went and met with their president there. And like I went to some other schools and, and had some talks with some other people. And all of their talks were about the professionalism of what could happen if I went to school. They're like the people who graduate from here are 99% hired within the first couple of months to, to be a pastor. And like, it was all about business and like, you know, what, what I had come from and how God saved me. Like I, that meant nothing to yeah, me. Right, and, right. and I'm like, mm, okay, I don't yeah, care. Like right. I could go back to work really? at a, at a, at a feedlot. I, I mean, like, I don't yeah, care what the right. business percentage is. Um, but I met with the, the president at, at Yellowstone Baptist college and all we talked about was Jesus and how good Jesus was to us. And I was like, this is the place for me. It's gotta nice. be. Yeah. That's gotta be it. Yeah. And so that's what brought me to Billings, um, back in like 2005. So I've been here for about 15 years now, but wow. initially it was to,
0: so two years later I got to, yeah.
4: yeah. So, um, so yeah, I went to, went to college at, uh, YBC and, and, uh, Went and got a degree in pastoral ministry. And it was funny, too. Like, when I first got there, I still didn't know. It. Like, I was still like, I'm not going to be a pastor. Like, I'll go here and, and see what God's going to do, but I'm still not going to be a pastor. And the one, ca- the, the, like the one thing that was like, this is why I know I won't be a pastor is public speaking. Like I went, I remember going to the first chapel service and a student had to get up and go speak. And I was like, I will never do that. (laughs) That that will never, ever, ever happen. And part of that was just from the the self-hatred, unsure of myself and anxiety that came from my entire past up to that point. I was like, you can't put me in front of people. For sure.
0: Yeah. So is that where you met Veronica?
4: Yes, I actually did meet Veronica there as well. I was actually a senior and going to graduate when she came to school there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool,
0: Cool. Um, so obviously you get your degree. Um, did you start at YBGR right away? Yep. Okay. Uh, that's, we, we talked about that. That's where you, um, where we got to know you. Uh, and then you went to, o, you know, OPA and things like that, but kind of tell us about your journey to become the head pastor of Bethel.
4: Okay. So when I was at YBC and even the year before that, cause there was one year where I was, it really literally, as I was saved in uh, uh, August of 2004 and then was at YBC in August of 2005, and, uh, um, I would look at those four years or five years and go, God was giving me a lot of knowledge that I had not known before. And so that's really what those years did for me. And then when I, what's interesting is I wanted to be a pastor right away, but what happened is I wanted to leave Billings too. I was like, it'd be so cool to end up anywhere in America. But in here, what Billings. No, no, I didn't, I didn't dislike Billings, but I, I have a, I have a wandering heart. Kind of, you know, where I love big cities. Oh, I love sure. to go places. And yeah. so just this idea that I could go anywhere and be a pastor, like that job's available anywhere. Yeah. You know, so like the dream was like, you know, just put out applications in, you know, 10 different states that are far away from here and go and do ministry, you know, and yeah. I was excited about that. And so, anyways, with Veronica, Um, she, she decided she wanted to get her associate's degree and I didn't want to be a pastor in Billings and it wasn't personal against Billings, but, um, but I didn't want to be. So I was like, I'm not going to apply for any jobs now. I will work somewhere that's not a church. Uh, until veronica graduates and then we'll go try to find sure. somewhere else yeah and that is the only reason i applied at ybgr is because i was like i need to find a non-pastoral job in billings to last huh. me until veronica graduates yeah, right
1: and, and then and then and then and then i can do ministry yes yeah <laughs> well not and then i could do ministry yeah, but I know, and then i, I can be a meant. pastor yeah, be a pastor doing ministry that's right, right. that's what i meant like uh I, I, no no i mean you know i'll, I'll wait um for the right pastoral job to you know right. to, to to grace my doors of i'll send my applications to the to the uh coasts but uh it, all along it it sounds like it was right here yeah god, <laughs> knew god what he was doing. god's That's, laughing as he's yeah, like, like uh, oh.
0: he was like <laughs> applications <laughs> what jobs? Yeah, right. <laughs> so cool so um you know obviously you worked at YBGR did all that and then obviously god laid it on your heart that this community needed you
4: Yeah, well, let me speak a little bit more about YBGR and the the OPA as well. Um, So those jobs, what I would really say, and actually marriage and having kids during that season, all of that took a a guy who did not know how to love anybody and were very formative years and teach me how to love other people who had hard lives and, and to be a husband like I mean, you guys know like you have to love your wife or things are really hard, you know, and and like and I wasn't good at loving anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, and so uh, those years were like Veronica and I started marriage counseling really early in marriage uh, because there was a a rocky road because I was damaged and obviously she's a sinner too. And and so um, there was there was a lot of uh, hard stuff in our marriage. And so like learning how to love her, learning how to love kids who are needy, and dependent. you know, oh, babies sure? wake yeah. you up in the middle of the night. And like, I'm not one to be inconvenienced by others, you know. And so yeah, like, right. <laughs> so God's all of a sudden teach me like, hey, you're going to and, and God put this really sensitive uh, spirit in me towards kids, especially my own because of my childhood. So like, uh, you know, I think that I'd ha- I would have had the ability to be a really mean dad just like my dad was. But because God saved me, it actually flipped it to like the opposite side of the spectrum. So like my kids could wake me up seventeen times in the middle of the night, still to this day, and I'm and I don't get mad at them. Like I'm like, yeah. what's wrong? Like I, like I'm always more worried about them than mad at them. You know? Yeah. So like, so,
1: you, so he flipped it to know not to know what not to do well
4: it. I, I never wanted them to feel any of the feelings that i felt uh, absolutely yeah, and no, so that's, yeah that's fantastic and so those those years of being married and of being a father and in our, our parenting experience has been crazy too um we ended up having a child right away right after we got married uh obviously not more than nine months later but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but uh wink, wink. right uh no it was no, um no, yeah no, we know yeah. i know but
1: i, I I have to say this. I have to make sure that, hey, <laughs> right. don't cut that. Don't edit <laughs> that. <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> I mean, there's people Let in my church listening. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. maybe, yeah. So, um, and then uh, we ended up having a second son right after. And they're, they're 13 months apart. And so we have two babies in our first two years. And then also on top of it, my nephew moved in with us. Um, mm-hmm. My brother, who's a mess, for the same reason, I grew up to be a mess. Um, unfortunately, still is a mess and uh, had his child removed from him from the Child Protective Services. And so Veronica and I are raising his son, who is now our son. We've we've actually been able to adopt him. That's fantastic. But uh, he moved in yeah. us with us when he was five. So we had two babies and a five year old. And when he moved in with us, he had been through so much already that he had PTSD. He had night tremors. He, he would violently attack Veronica. He would. Tear up things in our house. He would he would out of anger look at you and like pee on the floor. Oh he yeah, just...
1: I re- I remember you telling me about this at uh, at OPA. You yeah, know? and I was like oh man so
4: you know i'm a damaged person and all of a sudden the home has chaos as well and and like i said though god was really using those years to to take the knowledge that i had learned in my first five years of being a, a follower of jesus and what's interesting like i like even as a bible college student if you were to ask the people i went to school with you'd probably get different reviews on me some people would be like yeah i mean he really loved jesus he knew the bible well but you'd have other people who'd be like man that dude was an ass like like uh, no uh, for real. like he he did not know how to like or love anybody and so you would get a very mixed response if you were to survey the people at the school because i really didn't know how to love anybody and so like when i when i first got saved it was like i love god but you know, the rest of you, you need to figure yes, your stuff out yeah, go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And so these next years was really important, I think, for being a pastor, which is more than just teaching knowledge. It's about caring for people, you know. And the, so the next season was almost like uh, another season of college, but not for information, but for character mm-hmm. development. Yeah, right.
1: For, yeah. For, wow. Yeah. So a straight crash course. Yeah. Like, I mean, accelerated course like, you know, for me, when, 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 uh, when I ended up in the ministry, when I was a pastor, like I, I started in church, I had gotten saved when I was 14. And, you know, then of course, like went, went through high school, you know, but I was in youth group, was heavily involved in youth group and everything else. And then, and then went to Bible college right out of high school, you know? And so then, you know, and, and I got, got married you know right after college right after I graduated college and then went right into the ministry so for me though it was a span of like from 14 to 22 or 23 you know but I had that indoctrination if you will you know like I was essentially raised in the church you know like where you know because from 14 you know like you have all that time and and you're learning all of those things you know to 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 use but I mean, you're talking about the span of of how much time from from when you had gotten saved to when you went to college was one year, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then after you got done with college, then it was a couple of more years before you took a a, a full time pastorate, right? right? Okay, so or or even even part time pastorate, whatever the case is, but but before you became a pastor, so like in title, right. so to speak, so. Um, but that's a, but I mean, so you're talking about saved then, then college, you know, then marriage Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and a baby in a baby carriage and Mm -hmm. then, and then then ministry in such a condensed amount of time, but, but real life, uh, real life scenarios, real life situations just shortly before salvation, like where, you know, so there was, that was, that's a cr- crash course. I mean, that's super accelerated and right. it's fantastic. Like it's, it's a testament to what God can do, but it, it's also, you know, like that's crazy. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot for one, one man to, uh, to yeah. experience. So yeah. I, I'm just, that's crazy. Away. Yeah, it's, And not, and <laughs> that's not, that's
0: crazy. And not in that sense, like in a legit sense, like dude, you know, like, I didn't even know half that, a lot of that stuff. And you know, I, you know, and I worked with you, we mm. worked when you work at a place like YBGR, the person that you're working with, you can either completely ignore and get through the day or you, there's no middle ground or you can like really get to know them. And yeah. I really got to know you. And to think that you were going through that during that time, that's well, not right. Scary. It was
4: while I was working at YBGR that both Zeke and Kai were born. And I think, uh, Caden moving in was, was probably right about the OPA. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. because so right, I, I, Like yeah. I said,
1: I remember that conversation, you know, and I was like, wow. Yeah. So, so to be, so let's
0: do this then you become the head, you become the head pastor at Bethel.
4: Correct. Well, no, there's actually more. Yeah. Go ahead. Story. Go ahead and it, talk about that. Okay. And so, um, I'm working at the, the OPA, but I'm also attending a church, uh, called Lifeway, which is also here in Billings. And uh, it's an affluent church. Almost everybody that attends the church has a master's degree. You know, it's well-educated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, lots of people who really love Jesus there. The pastor, while I'm, while I'm attending there, really becomes my spiritual father, you know, and, and uh, took me under his wing. And, uh, and that's actually why when Veronica graduated, I didn't automatically go somewhere else. I was like, I really love this church and love this leader and want to continue to develop under sure. him and someday I'll be a pastor but I don't know what that'll look like and so I spent uh, I actually stayed at Lifeway for 13 years before I actually went to to Bethel when you talk about when I first moved to Billings until when yeah. I finally yeah. left gotcha. uh, Lifeway and so um, got lots of opportunities he would let me uh, work on my preaching in front of the congregation on Wednesday nights like I couldn't preach on Sunday mornings because I surely wasn't good enough. <laughs> I mean he never told me that specifically but he didn't have to well, funny was, was,
1: uh, so so Wednesday was like the JV. It was like the junior varsity. Well and it, it was and I mean uh,
4: I mean most Wednesday nights it was still him teaching but occasionally I could come in and, and uh is it a little, really little less sermons. formal too it, it, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so that helps it's a little bit more comfortable for public speaking. the yeah. the, the crowd is a little bit more comfortable comfortable and so it makes the speaker a little bit more comfortable so Mm -hmm. that was really nice that you know like he allowed you to do that a couple of wednesdays right especially with public speaking being such a a fearful thing for a lot of people you know Mm -hmm.
4: i remember my very first sermon outline that i brought to me He's like hey why don't you work up a sermon and and show it to me and and i mean i went to college and took classes on writing sermons but it's still a a strange thing to try to master you know and so i thought you
1: were gonna tell me that it had like pictures like you (laughs) you drew (laughs) yeah. drew a stick figure holding a bible and it has the sun and a (laughs) (laughs) rainbow and like one
0: black
4: bee that's the dove it's it's
1: good right and he looks at it
4: well true story i give him my first sermon outline and he looks at it he goes um why don't you why don't you just get rid of this one and try again why don't you start over i'm like Okay, oh, <laughs> and oh. so I did, and um, he he let me preach the next one and got a few more shots while I was there life way, and that's great. Uh, eventually we got to preach on Sunday mornings while I was there. Nice, well, so. yeah, that's yeah.
1: great. So it was the first Sunday then just as intimidating as the first Wednesday?
4: Ooh, I mean it was pretty close, but I don't think it was quite the same. I yeah, think the first right. Wednesday asking the the ice, the important you know, questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm just curious. I just you know? yeah. like
1: I'm trying to pick his brain because no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> you know I mean that's
4: that's That's what we're here for (laughs) no that's cool man that's crazy so anyways what happened next is is in my mind i'm like someday i'll be a pastor i have no idea the the when though and uh um they end up actually asking me to come to work for them my life way so it was actually interesting i actually i mean it, it was it was clear that it was god's timing because i finally got to the point where i was like it's time for me to to find a a place to work. And so I was actually searching online in that season um, and uh, found a a place where I was like, this looks like the right fit for me. And it was a place in uh, Tyrone, Pennsylvania, And like I said, I just wanted to get away, you know, and be somewhere, somewhere new and and start over Yeah, for sure. And uh, and it was in Tyrone, Pennsylvania. And I looked at the like pictures of the area and it was beautiful. It was really close to both Pittsburgh and and uh, Philadelphia, you know, and I'm like. I love cities so i'm like that would be really cool to be able to drive to either one of those cities for a day trip you know yeah, like, which right. one do i want to go to today yeah, you know? yeah, one. And and eagles or Steelers? why not both right? <laughs> yeah. but not the giants yeah, <laughs> right. for sure <laughs> um and so also though the 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 church the pastor uh was had two years till he was going to retire like he knew he was going to retire in two years and he wanted to take two years to uh develop some develop his replacement and I was still very unsure of myself. So it was like, I would prefer that setting over, you know, like, hey, I'm going to just show up and try to be somebody's yeah, seen, senior, pastor. senior pastor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, this looks like the perfect spot for me. And so I actually reached out to the pastor at Lifeway and said, hey, uh, I'm going to send my resume to this church. And uh, so I just want to let you know that so you can be praying for me. And, and if you want to talk about it all, that'd be cool. I'll tell you, you know, why I'm interested in going there and all that. And so he's like, yeah, we need to talk before you send it. And so in my mind, I'm thinking he agrees that we should talk at least you know before it's uh sent so he and i decided to set a meeting and and uh when we meet he tells me that they want to hire me and i'm like i didn't see that coming at all i totally thought we were gonna be talking about what it looked like to go to tyrone pennsylvania and he's like <laughs> right. he's like uh we would like to hire you and i was like okay so um it was to work with youth and i I was like, I don't know that I want to be a youth pastor that had never crossed my mind before. So it took a moment to, to come to terms with, but I'd been there so long that I'd known the kids for so long as well. And, and loved the church. So I was like, yeah, this, this, I feel like God has worked this all out and, you know, past experiences working at YBGR already working with teens as well. Sure, you know. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this, this makes sense. I think this is what God is, is calling me to. And so I, I took the job and so, uh, started working at Lifeway and, uh, um, then while I was working at Lifeway, I started getting job applications to work at churches, which, you know, like before that nobody ever had reached out to me and now all of a sudden people are reaching oh, yeah. out to me, you Shomping know, a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, hey, uh, and then so how many, how many times did you decline people? The, just...
4: There was three times in the first year that I worked there that I had declined people. And, uh, I felt like, uh, I, I'm a, I'm the type of guy who wants to be transparent. So I went to, uh, my pastor and, and uh, spiritual mentor and let him know, Hey, all of a sudden people are trying to hire me. So like if you hear that there's some kind of conversation about that, I want you to know I'm not like trying to leave or anything like that. I have no intentions of going anywhere else. I feel like God's really put me here. And then I said, but the one exception to that is if an opportunity opened up to be a pastor on the south side, I would highly consider that. And so that's what I told him. And that kind of got the ball rolling for the next stage of ministry in my life.
1: Okay. So did he, so did he help, uh, w- was, was he, um, part of that, um, um, process for you to, to work at Bethel or was this like an application all on your own? You see it come up or you hear about the opportunity and you're like, yep, this is me at 100%. Like how did that, how did that come about?
4: Yeah. So, um, I'd lived on the south side for a while already. Mm -hmm. It turns out, you know, like I wasn't making a whole lot of money at YBGR. So when Veronica and I started looking for a house to buy, we didn't have a whole lot of money to buy one with. I remember warning you, too, like you don't want to live on
0: Monroe.
4: (laughs) And so um, the house that we found was on the south side of Billings. And at that time, you know, we had people like you warning us, but we really didn't know Billings well. The only place that she and I had been to was was, uh, the college campus. And then for the year while she was... um, Uh, finishing up her degree we lived in an apartment complex on Shiloh Road as well so like we'd only known that area and neither one of us were from Billings so like people warned us and I was like yeah whatever and part of the reason I was like yeah whatever is because I had my own past uh, that was similar to what people were telling me about the south side and I was like yeah I'll fit in fine there (laughs) like I'm not not, not worried at (laughs) all. So
1: you end up with this house and you're like "Mm hmm. It beats a $90 a month hotel.
4: (laughs) (laughs) For sure it does. Yes. Um, And so we moved to the South side and, and uh, never had second thoughts about it. But ironically there was this uh, church building on the South side. And I mean, they had a a congregation. It was a elderly congregation and it was a small congregation. And Veronica actually went to a service one time just to see what the, what it was like. Sure. Um, I, I don't remember it being too friendly or, or welcoming or inviting. And, uh, um, overall it was an experience that we walked away from going, um, yeah, we probably won't go back there a second time, but that's, that's okay. Uh, well, cause we weren't planning on leaving Lifeway anyways. So, right, uh, yeah. but we, what I'd always said, I love where that building is located. Like if I could be a pastor anywhere, I would want to do it, it where, that, where that's yeah. at. And so then, you know, I'm now pastoring at Lifeway like eight years later than when that time that we had checked out this building happened. And uh, so I tell uh, the pastor, like, I'd be willing to go to ministry on the south side. And he doesn't say much about it at that point. But then like months later, he's like, how serious are you about being willing to be a pastor on the south side? I'm like, man, I'm 100% serious about yeah. that and uh i can
1: attest to that too because uh when you were at opa you know like once once you did take the position at bethel you were all in yeah like you i'm I'm leaving opa a steady job and i don't i don't know what's going to happen but you know it's it's where i need to go yeah so So, (laughs) it's exciting but it's super scary at the (laughs) same time go ahead sorry
4: no no problem (laughs) um and so uh at that point uh, he and I started talking about what it would look like for planting a church on the South Side. And uh, then as things developed and progressed, they heard of this concept of replanting, which I don't know if you're familiar with replanting or not, but it's a concept Vaguely. of of taking a dying church and trying to bring it back to life. And the idea behind it is that there's thousands of churches closing and thousands of churches being planted each year, so like why not make the most of combining the church them. that's closing. Yeah. And, because and otherwise the, the new church has to, to buy pay for a new building. You know, like there's just so many reasons that it makes sense to just combine those two things instead yep, of absolutely. So anyways, uh, we get into contact with, with Bethel, their pastors in his eighties and been pastoring there for 40 years. Um, their congregation's small and, and at the point where they're about to have to close the doors cause they can't afford to exist anymore. They are desperate for new life. And so Lifeway, um, you know, was really gracious. The reason the pastor had not re- retired and moved on yet and was still pastoring into his 80s is because he was dependent on his monthly check in order to still be able to pay for his bills and stuff like sure. that at home. And I mean, he wasn't receiving a lot at the time, um, but he needed it and and mm-hmm. had no, no other way to get it. He wasn't going to go at 80 years old, start a new career. Right. So yeah. so he had not he had not moved on just for that reason. And so Lifeway graciously offered to pay him a retirement until he until he until his life's over, until he goes to see Jesus. And so That's amazing. Yeah. So they That's are really they're paying cool. and and they offered him that to to step down and for his church to if, if his church would approve hiring me and he would step down, they would pay that retirement out. Wow. Till he he passes on. So um and and they agree to that. And so not only do I come over to life or to Bethel, but uh five other families from Lifeway actually came with me. And so uh, we automatically and, and like we we specifically targeted people with kids and stuff, too, because that was a big part of what I wanted is to reach families on the south side of Billings. And, you know, we have four kids, a fifth one right now because we're foster parents again. And uh, but at that time we had four kids and. um we we brought families that had kids as well, like three of the families that came all had four kids. So like we grew the church quick, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and, uh, it was like it, it multiplied it, overnight. Right. <laughs> and uh, so in January of 2018, um, I became the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church. That's,
0: that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, and I love that. I love that you targeted people with families. You didn't target the lawyers and doctors yeah, because right. it, it's more about community than it is about You know, other things. I mean, obviously those things are important, but if if you follow God, you know, those things come. Uh, So, you know, one thing I want to really talk about uh, now um, as we come towards the end here uh, is Bethel Mm -hmm. and your outreach. Because when we had lunch at the VIG, I... Was blown away at Th- the things. Then I wasn't invited. You. No, that <laughs> Sorry, I had to point that right. out. Um, but I was blown away at the things you said you were doing and wanted to do. You know, God laid it on my heart that day that something big was coming from you in this church because what that community needs, that community within a community needs, is is a pillar, and it, it, I really believe that Bethel is becoming that pillar. But I, I would really like our listeners to hear your outreach, what you're doing the voice that you're giving to people who don't have a voice being the glue to keep that community together. Go ahead and share what Bethel's doing now.
4: So, um, you know, coming from a a family that was, had a rough background and knowing that a lot of the families on, in the South side have rough backgrounds. Like I really wanted to love parents. Well, I really want to love kids. Well, like that was, that was, we had a huge passion for that. And, and, uh, being somebody who was saved at 25, like I knew what it's like to be a lost person and to be far from God. And so I was, I was never going to hold that against anybody, you know? And so like what, what my intentions are is to let people know that we love them, that God loves them, that they matter, that they're important. They have value because God created them. And so like, that's, that's the first message I want anybody to hear from us. And so all of our outreach is actually designed to build relationships. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we're we not we're not doing these things just to get you to come here and, and um, have a one time thing and never talk to you again. Like the, the entire purpose of everything we do is we want to know you. We want to be your friend. We want to we're committed to see to sharing life with you and letting you know that you matter. And so uh, we have lots of different ways that we try to build that um so we do a, a vacation bible school usually in the summers again like this summer being what it is with with covid it's not happening but yeah. we usually yeah. do vacation bible school and and um, the very first summer that we did it we had 91 kids come wow. to, that's, to that's vacation amazing. Bible school that's, and, that's and at, and really at the cool. time we only had like 35 people coming to our sure. church you yeah. know? <laughs> so yeah. and then we had 91 kids come to, to vacation bible school And then then, uh, typical summers, we'll do a pool party. We actually are doing a pool party again this summer because they're letting us do that in spite of covid so um, oh, right. yeah pools for some reason can be open and have up to 300 people right, yeah. you know it's like but everybody else has to stay 6 feet apart so like in here, in here like we'll just lower the amount of people that can be there but whatever happens happens well, chlorine kills <laughs> everything yeah. 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 so yeah
0: well, well, you, you see the chlorine right right yeah. so you did, you did i mean i was invited to a block
1: party and um, yep, you do so,
4: those so we do vacation bible school we do the you pool party you were invited
1: to, wait a second so Josh was invited to a block party?
4: Well, I think it was when we were at the VIG. You know, like, oh, I had to yeah, return the, like, yeah. If you, you would have been there, I would have invited you, too. So. so these
1: invites beget invites, <laughs> but I didn't get one. I <laughs> oh. uh, Um So
4: we do so the block p- party? Block party as well, and and Harvest Church is very gracious and lets us use their bouncy houses. Uh, oh, that's their great. They're a bigger church. Than, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So we that's end up- my church. Yeah, so we end up having like seven bouncy houses and and, uh, we put on some like carnival games and face painting and stuff like that and and, uh, provide lunch as well, um, free of charge, you know, just again, um, wanting to... Uh, make relationships, and so literally, like all of these events, we also do a trunk or treat, um, where we hand out candy out of the back of our cars parked around yeah, the parking that's lot. That's
1: really cool. And and uh, what one hundred percent of the candy donated, yep. and yep. yeah. So. And we and
4: we have we have other things that help us, like uh, the North American Mission Board, which is a Southern Baptist Convention yep. thing. Mm-hmm. They they help us with costs, and and also the church that I came from, Lifeway, has helped us a lot. That's fantastic.
1: Well. So it's it's not necessarily so you're not extending the cost you're not extending to the co- the cost the to the individuals that attend the events in most cases right um, it's it's it, the cost is mostly time effort and energy not even necessarily money but time effort and energy on your part yeah. in coordinating you know where resources can be found so like for example the inflatables with harvest yeah. or uh, you know like uh, lifeway assisting with things or, or donated candy for for trunk or treat so basically with what you do have, uh, you're 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 providing that, you know. And again, we talked about that with you know with so little, uh, being able to provide so much, you know, loaves and fish. If that's all you got, you're still making twelve baskets out of it because of the resources that are available and more than willing to be used. So yeah. I, I, that's fantastic. Uh, now, Josh told me about like a breakfast too. Yep. So so tell me about that as well.
4: So I mean, if you're you know uh, health you know if you're concerned about health it's not a you probably wouldn't consider it a breakfast <laughs> we're uh, not we don't yeah. <laughs> look at us yeah. So, yeah. this chair uh, is barely yeah. hanging on <laughs> oh, begging for mercy right Help me. <laughs> so um every sunday morning and we're actually not doing it now again because of covid and yeah, just not right. wanting people to reach it, their hands and in touch stuff sure. but uh every sunday so our services are at 11 o'clock but at 10 30 there's donuts fruit coffee uh things like that um and we we make sure we get enough that no matter who comes you know there'll be enough available and uh and uh just open up the doors and let people come in and again like i said you know like we're all about building relationships so from that ten thirty to 11 o'clock period mm-hmm. it's all about mingling and getting to know people and, yeah. and uh, sharing food together sure. now
1: are they expected is is anybody that uh, eats breakfast are they expected to be at the service at 11 just out of curiosity you know
4: um, no, and, and actually, we encouraged, we, right? I right. Mean, it's, well, yeah. It's and and, and, service, and we but. we've we've had that happen even people mostly kids like kids will know and sure, they'll, they'll yeah. come in and grab some donuts, donuts. and leave. Donuts. <laughs> and and we when we started our youth group, that would happen too. Like yep. teenagers would come in. We'd we'd start out with a game and a snack, and they'd come in and play the game and eat the snack, and then when it came to the lesson, they they would be gone. Plant right. the and, seed. Yeah. And one of the yeah, and one of the things that I would tell our people because you know our people weren't used to that, and it's sure. so one of the things I said is hey what the biggest message that they need to know right now is that they're loved. So like, if, if that's all they, they, yeah, if that's all they want, I mean, obviously we want them to hear the gospel at some point, but we don't need to be like saying, Hey, don't come back unless you want to hear the gospel. Like that's, that's not loving. You know, it's like the gospel is a message of love. So to be like, to be like mean and how you want to present the gospel is weird. Like, like to force somebody like you need to sit here and listen to me. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) But you know,
0: and and also too in this community, when these kids come in, we don't, you know, you may not know them, but this honestly could be the only thing they eat until the shelter uh, opens up their, their sack lunches or they go down to the mission and eat the dinner. It's possible. And and especially in that community, my mom lives down there and I I lived there for a few years. And the fact that you would open up your doors knowingly, let those kids come in and, and take food, eat it, whatever, and run and be like, Hey, have a good day. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Everything that we have talked about on our podcast addresses how, and I had an example where I had a, uh, when I worked for PACT, a mental health center, I had a client who needed assistance getting a place. And we went to Faye Chapel, and the pastor, first thing they asked is, Are you Christian and are you a member here? And when uh, my client said no to both, and then later on said, well, I, I do believe in Christ because he felt he knew what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. they, they, they ended up turning him down because he didn't belong to faith and they he wasn't, wasn't a, a Christian. Member, yeah. well, what do you think that kid's going to do now? And right. to this day, he hates God for that same, you know, for those reasons. Even
1: just Yeah, even for a small reason. Like right. right. So, but
0: the fact that those kids come in and you're not even mad, you're like, go ahead, take two, make sure yeah. your mom gets one. And then they leave. That's that seed it may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next year, but eventually they're always going to remember, remember that church we'd go to and then let's go see what they're doing. And And that's, you know, that to me, that is the point of being a a follower of Christ.
1: It's also important that, uh, that the reconditioning of current followers of followers of Christ is taking place though, too. Uh, Like uh, for -hmm. examples, like, Hey, what, what, what the, the, they're just going to take donuts and leave like that's not, you know, that's not OK. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Hold on. Like, it's it's fine. You know, like they're they're here and they, they just they just need to know, like, look, if you're hungry, uh, grab some donuts. Spend some time with us. You know, I'd like I'd love to get to know you, but you don't have to stay for the service. You don't. If you want to, I want you to. But if you if you don't feel comfortable with it at this point, or you've got somewhere you need to be, then get on. And I I hope that 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 donut fills your you know your physical void for for at least the time being. But uh, you know we'll see we'll see you next week. Come come back, take two next time. You know what I mean? What and, kind and, and, do you like? Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it next week. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the reconditioning, like the 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 current followers of Christ that that maybe have it set or have this this preconceived idea that you know like if you're given something then you should be forced to sit and listen you know like uh the king of england in hamilton that Mm -hmm. says you know i'm gonna kill all your friends and family to show you my love (laughs) Uh, i don't i don't know if you guys get that reference but Mm
4: -hmm. if either of you have seen it sorry Uh, anyway (laughs) but yeah so like in my mind the one thing like when i when i think of the community whether it be adults or children this is the message that i want them all to, to think of is that when they think of the church they go that's the one place i know i'm loved yep. like if if the rest of the world doesn't lo- love me i know for sure the church does and so if i need to if i need love that's where i'm going to go
1: dude that's that's an excellent perception to have like it's an excellent uh um Motive to live by like uh, that that you that you as the pastor of a church like, you know, hearing the pastor of a church say that means the world to me, you know, uh, the experiences that 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 I've had in church, even as a youth pastor, that that same mindset, that same mentality was not conveyed Uh, even just from a behind the scenes type of deal where it's like, hey, look, you know, like these are these are the these are the individuals you should target. These are the individuals you should shake hands with. These are the individuals you should get to know. Right? You know, and so to hear this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you, who you are. Y- you belong. You matter. You're loved. Um, You're a good dude, Jeremy. Yeah. Like, like only by God's grace. Yeah. No, 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 no. All of us, all yeah. of us.
4: So
0: Jeremy, I want to say uh, in closing, um, if we have listeners who may not be comfortable talking to us because we don't call ourselves pastors at all. Yeah. But they, they do want to reach out. They do want to, uh, whether they want to come to Bethel to see what it's about, or they just want to talk to you, um, or, you know, or, or, Get that love, you know. Get
1: mm-hmm. that donut. Yeah, from absolutely. You. uh Well, you yeah, know, t- I, I think it might show up Sunday. But <laughs> well, we're not doing
4: donuts now, so you right, might. I meant. I expect an yeah. okay. How can
0: how can they reach you? uh, uh what, What's the best way? uh You know, is this something that we can put on uh, when we share uh, this podcast out and put it out? Can we put your email? Can we link your Facebook? I mean, yeah, what's absolutely. the best way for them to get a hold
4: of you? So, I mean, I'm I'm cool with whatever. I'm a very open and transparent guy, so like. Literally my, my the church's phone number is my cell phone number. So anybody whenever they've had need and like I need to call the church, they're literally calling me. Uh, Wonderful. So my number is four zero six seven nine four four six two four. Like anybody who nice. needs to call it, feel free. <laughs> feel free <laughs> to call <laughs> Hold it. And, Hold yeah. on, yeah. Let me
0: I need a donut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> no.
1: save the contact under donuts.
4: Right? Exactly. <laughs> so
0: so listen, uh, you know, you can find uh we're gonna put his uh number, the email address, we're gonna link the Facebook page. Uh, for Bethel, we're gonna put all that um, underneath the link for this podcast. If you are struggling um, and you need to, you need to feel loved by somebody. Jeremy is the dude uh, that will do that. He anybody who encounters this guy is going to feel the love of Christ, uh, and it's only by God's grace, as he said. So please reach out to Jeremy uh, if you have any questions about God, if you just need to hear some words of affirmation um, and look for the ones who are Christians and are followers of Christ, and you're looking for a church, check out Bethel or those like we, you know, Ben and I talked about when it comes to tithing, uh, uh, you know, when, when, when these, uh, when you are listening to Kenneth Copeland and you're listening to Olstein and, and you don't know anything else, check out the links, check out his, uh, check out the Bethel's Facebook page, give him a call, find out what he's about. Definitely. Uh, the tithing that you send in uh, uh, will go to a good place when it comes to Bethel. Uh, check it out again. Uh, everything will be on the uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter page when this uh, podcast airs. So honestly, Jeremy, uh, I want to say thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I I, I kind of yeah, knew all I this about it. you, uh, but n- not nearly the detail or the descriptions that you could. But your story uh, and what you've become—you're the people that we want to celebrate. You're you're the kind of pastor that we want people who are on the fence to meet. You are the pastor Wiley in my life. Uh, you know, the guy that I had in my life to, to guide. And I want everybody to have someone like that. And I feel like you're the resource that we need people. We need people to go to. Uh, we're not that what we're here is to validate. No, we're not. We curse. Uh, but, but our, our, our mission, our calling God's calling to me is to uh, to show people that the Christ that they've been introduced to is not the real Christ. And that the Christ that they that they need to be introduced to is the one that you can educate them on. So I want to say thank you for coming on this show. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, nice. You know, and, and anything that we promote, anything that goes like that. We want to promote you. We want to put you out there. Um, So please, again, audience, if you have any questions, anything like that, reach out to Jeremy.
1: And uh, this is Grit. Grit. (laughs) (laughs) Raw, unpolished, Christianity.